welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Podcast. So interesting episode for you today, Um, more of a thematic one. So we've actually been through this guest's story before in episode 38, so a very long time ago. It's been far too long since he has been back on this podcast and I'm glad to have him. So I have Yesh from Scalpel. Uh, So welcome Yesh, how are you doing? Hi James, I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you sir, very well. Um, and for anybody who wants to listen to your full story and your full background, they can go back to episode 38. I know it's been a while, but your background hasn't changed. Your business might have slightly, um, but they can, you can you go back and, uh, and listen to all of that stuff from Yesh. But Yesh, for the people that might not have the time to go back, just briefly and quickly, what is your background and what do you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Yesh. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Scalpel. Um, I come from a healthcare background, trained as a dentist. I spent 10 years developing technologies for improving surgical training, patient safety, uh, have a deep drive to make an impact on healthcare. Um, and for the last four years, I've been working on Scalpel and we are, we are a fast growing medtech startup in London. And you'll hear more on this call now. Absolutely. So. The reason that you're back on is because I'm starting to do episodes a little bit differently. So this one, this one's a theme and we're going to be talking about patient safety. We're going to talk about technology in patient safety. Um, Surgical safety, I suppose, specifically is what is what you're in. Um, But there's it's an interesting area of medicine. It's an interesting bit of value to try and capture the safety of patients. It's inherently i've seen you know quite difficult in fact to build a business model around it but it ends up solving so many problems it obviously solves safety of patient it can prove the the well-being of staff it can take pressure off time-wise efficiency-wise it can save money for systems there's lots of things that patient safety can lead to but i know a little bit about this but i'm interested in to hear this from you why would you as a tech entrepreneur have the, the front of your mind patient safety. Now, I know f- good entrepreneurship is finding a problem to solve. I get that. And I suppose everything you could argue is going to link to patient safety in some way. But you guys lean heavily into patient safety. You're sort of the patient safety tech startup, which is interesting. So why is that, Yesh? Tell me Tell me why, why patient safety, why surgical safety, why this problem specifically and tell us about the problem you solve and tell us why sure so there are two reasons firstly i was not a tech entrepreneur till 10 years back i i was a healthcare practitioner right so day in day out i've seen patients um i was a dentist i was performing extractions i was performing you know root canal treatment and stuff so obviously healthcare is right in front in my life um so the question really is I started off at patient safety and was wondering how we can improve patient safety in healthcare. Now, why improving patient safety? So there are a bunch of incidents that actually inspired me, but more importantly, uh, patient safety was not the first route that we picked up. We were actually interested in improving education of surgical staff, education of healthcare professionals so that they can perform better. But in the process of uh, building tools that improve patient, um, I mean, surgical training, what, what I've learned is you can only improve somebody so far in their training, but you need to actually intervene in their performance to make a real-world impact. Now, when it comes to real-world impact, patient outcomes are the, you know, 
uh, or the final impact factor when it comes to you know uh, an, an, a, a major procedure like an operation right so what is the simplest patient outcome patient is alive or patient is dead at the end of an operation right that is the more crudest way of looking at something now if you look at patient being alive that is not necessarily a good outcome if the patient has a pretty bad uh, complication at the end of surgery so i was this this was on the back of my mind almost you know for 12 15 years now but i was you know reading more about it thinking more about it and speaking a lot to more clinicians i have learned that everybody is working towards one goal that is patient safety um they want to make patients lives better everyone in healthcare is working towards patient safety they might be seeing that or they might not but that is what they are working towards if the patient is not safe at the end of the procedure then whatever they have done till that point did not uh, meet the goal that they are after so i've learned that by ensuring that patients are safe what happens is we we end up meeting our goals so for example if your goal is to perform a heart operation and at the end of the day your heart operation is a success but in the process you have you know left a uh, a tiny you know instrument in the patient's body now that leads to additional complications costs uh, you know re- extra bed days and you know uh, an additional operation maybe and that's not what you were after so healthcare professionals really want to improve patients lives and you know surgery in itself is is highly stressful it's it's a, it's a super stressful process and you know that is it is so complicated that error is a is a is almost like accepted in a in a way but it's not how it is supposed to be so that is the reason really why why we are after patient safety there are a bunch of uh, personal incidents like you know there were, i was i was a witness to near misses i was a witness to never events so i would say i would say um, that was that was the first place and then i was looking at technology well how can tech help in the process not the other way around that's awesome man and yeah you, you talk you talk about the the patient there front and center obviously because it's patient safety but obviously i i too have been party to near misses um fortunately not a never event but near misses and they've been frightening enough and that's an important thing to note here actually me as a junior doctor i was frightened i was i was affected afterwards there was more than one victim which in my research for this call there is something called the second victim effect where there is the victim the patient who undergoes harm but there is also a victim and multiple i imagine victims of that entire team that had there was a system failure there was a human error there was some there was something but there's a lot of people that end up suffering right and so from a i suppose from a from a position of wanting to make a difference and solve a problem when it comes to solving a patient safety issue you can actually solve multiple problems which from a business sense becomes interesting because then there's multiple business models but it makes it viable and makes it viable to to make impact that way by building a business but yeah t- talk to me second in, second victim effect interesting right yeah so second victim effect is a word is a term that is given when mm, the clinicians are affected because of the mistakes they make so mm. as a, as you are an you were an anesthetist in your past life so you know when you go out into the hospital you are going out to help people right and in the process as it could be systemic errors it, these are latent errors our our systems are so complicated that uh, an error is literally waiting to happen 
And when a mistake happens, it's not just the patient that is affected. It's also the surgeon slash any frontline clinician who is involved in, in making that uh, procedure happen. And second victim effect can take various forms. And one of the things is a, an outright effect on the performance on the person. Yeah. The problem is we don't have necessary uh, systems in place to support clinicians. I mean, we are now starting to see new systems in, in countries like the UK and the US, but not everywhere. You are asked to get back on the horse the next morning and perform because, well, you are the only surgeon in that hospital of that kind. Yeah. Or if you, if you don't perform that day, then there are more patients, you know, dying. So obviously what happens is there is this weird situation where you are holding this huge burden on you and, you know, things that happened in the past and they are affecting you and there is no way to get out of it. So clinicians need support as well when things go wrong. Whereas I think these things are changing, but we need to still remember there's a huge amount of uh, finger pointing when it comes to uh, what, where, you know, when things go wrong in healthcare. Um, and that is primarily because we look up to healthcare professionals and we expect them not to ever make a mistake. But humans make mistakes. And systems such as a hospital, which are highly complicated, where it involves procedures, inventory, uh, patients with various complications, there is a high chance of error. So what are we doing really to make this system error prone uh, or like or less error prone and uh, make it more stable? Well, we have... We have a solution today, and the solution is to put more people in the, uh, you know, in the mix. Mm -hmm. That's only increasing more complications. Um, so that is what it is. So second victim effect is is a direct effect on clinicians who are supposed to save our lives. So the next time you see a doctor, you know, don't just put your complaints on them. Ask them how they are doing. You know, it's important they do well because if they are doing well mentally and physically, they can do well on you. Otherwise, you know such a, a such a lovely point so what is the answer then what 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 is that happening right now so from a tech perspective i mean i can think of and i've written down a few things here that you mentioned of areas that entrepreneurs are certainly working on that i'm aware of but clearly in a patient safety sense there's there's supporting clinicians there's probably training clinicians there's probably stuff going on in vr to run scenarios and all that sort of stuff so imagine this technology there you can probably tell me more this preventing surgical error which is where you are and it'd be interested to get an update on you about where your guys tech is at this point there's reducing medical errors you know thinking everything from drug charts to checklists to hand washing like i mean there's this so this so I mean, not necessarily technology with hand washing stuff, but like there might be um to remind you to do it perhaps um but yeah so what what technology is there in the patient safety community if there is such a, if there is such a category yeah, so there is, as you rightly pointed out, all of those points you just mentioned fall under patient safety category. In fact, um, you know, even even patient safety starts outside of the hospital, actually. It doesn't even start within the hospital. It's about educating the patient. Uh, yes. it, it also, it, it, the, and educating the patient is also a very big part in terms of ensuring that they, they are following the right pathway, the clinical care pathway, right? And also post post-operative outcomes have to be monitored. So it doesn't stop at the hospital as well. So patient safety has to be monitored beyond just what happened uh, within that within that tiny spot. I think one of the most important things to look at it when it comes to technology and patient safety is, is in two levels, right? So when they're performing the task, 
and when they are not performing the task. So they hear all clinicians. So there are technologies of two kinds. So technologies that um, educate uh, patients or monitor post-operative outcomes or uh, observe the processes around when people are not performing the task and still making an impact on patient safety is one kind. Uh, and there are a bunch of these. Then there are the other kind, which is uh, technologies that are uh, that run when people are performing the tasks. These are like, for example, electronic healthcare records that connect to patient outcomes. Um, these are also some things like Scalpel does, which is a, a, a computer vision platform that in, that checks for surgical inventory, that you have the right equipment at the right time. Um, there are also other tools such as, you know, uh, a very good friend of mine, Nadine's company Proximy, uh, mm. that that shows operations elsewhere, uh, you know, breaking the walls of operating theaters, physical operating theater walls. So th there are very interesting companies and technologies in this area as well right now, intraoperatively while they're performing the task. Scalpel falls under the second category right now, um, where, you know, intraoperatively, when somebody is performing the task, how do we improve patient safety? Um, so I, I think that answers your question quite broad brush approach, but yeah, that was what I was after. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. It'd be interested to I'd be interested now to, to be a bit more specific on yours, to be honest, because obviously things have moved on probably since we last spoke, um, in terms of specifically what you guys are up to. Uh, so when you when you yeah. say, you know, computer vision, surgical inventory, what is it? Is that cameras, is it algorithms, is it all of the above? What's going on? It's all of the above, indeed. It's a combination <laughs> of uh, it's a combination of IoT uh, sensors uh, and you know algorithms and you know cloud computing and all of that thing together. But what the end user really cares? Let's let's actually look at it from a end user point of view. For a nurse, the system is a way to ensure that she has all the equipment that she needs for this operation. Everything that she brought in is being taken out, um, and you know, nothing is actually left behind in the patient. And more importantly, saving ton load of time intraoperatively, you know, ensuring that the counts are correct, everything that, you know, uh, arrived from the sterilization unit is correct. So that is what the value the system provides to the clinicians. The core technology in itself um, is it works in a very smart way without getting in the process of the healthcare, uh, care, uh, care treatment of the patient, which is Primarily, um, it uses computer vision, um, and there's a bunch of machine learning. You know, I, I think I would not get too much into the into that part. But essentially, it's it's about looking at surgical inventory, uh, understanding what is there is what you need, and you have everything that you need. Awesome. So, in terms of what we've talked about, then, like preventing never events, making life better for staff. You touched on a couple of those bits there, but. So you've, you've got cameras in an operating room. Uh, they're set up to detect where equipment's going. So practically speaking then, it sounds like those cameras are picking up, or that system is picking up what instruments are going where. So what are the never events that you prevent by doing that? Yeah, so the direct answer is retain for an object. Um, yeah. So that is one kind of never event where, you know, an object is left behind in the patient that is not supposed to be. So sometimes we leave objects in the patient because we want them to be there. So like a drain or like a pacemaker or something. So they are also like an implant. You want to put it in the patient and you want that to stay. But there are these unintended 
mistakes that happen in the process as well, um, which is like, I don't know, you, you're using a, a plastic endotracheal tube and part of the tube, you know, gets broken and left behind in the patient. Happens uh, often. Um, due to some practices that are not supposed to be uh, performed, some, pe some surgeons cut uh, a piece of swab when they are, you know, using in the patient and that yeah. gives a wrong swab count uh, at the end of an operation, leaving a piece of swab in the patient and the complication with that so obviously uh returned foreign object challenges is is the way is the is, a, is an event that we tackle but i would look at it more from another point of view which is as we were just discussing every action that you perform impacts patient safety inside operating theaters so one of the biggest things that we have today both in the nhs and everywhere in the world is a focus on efficiency a focus on turnaround time of the patient so we have a target, we have a plan, we need to perform X number of operations per day. So that could be three or four, I don't know what, depending on the kind of speciality and the procedures. Now, so there is, there's almost this pressure on people's minds. If everything is going well, then everything's fine. But if something goes, you know, uh, wrong way in between an operation, any operation, then that kind of topples the entire plan for the day and people be, will be leaving midday and stuff. So all these things also impact patient safety right so one of the biggest ways scalpel helps today is not about the never event bit which we also focus on but the more important thing is helping ensuring that clinicians perform their tasks more efficiently or without actually compromising patient safety it's almost this way where my mom always used to you know, convince me not to take my bike at high speeds uh, because she's really uh, concerned about my safety. But I wanted to get my get to my office quickly. So our, our thinking is, you know, if you increase the speed, if you are more efficient, uh, you know, you will get there. But the process is you often have a compromise on safety. So Scalpel's approach really is to help you improve efficiency without any compromise on safety. In fact, ensuring that the process is safer than before. That's how I would look at it, actually. That's really nice because that almost makes you an enabler of other technologies as well. Because as you say, in the in the Absolutely. pursuit of efficiency, in the pursuit of speed, we might change our instruments, we might change our operating practices, we might change the number of people in an operating room doing the count. There's lots of lots of things we could do to speed things up, but there has to be obviously something that enables all of that to be done safely which sounds like you guys that's a really nice way of putting it actually yeah i like that so i'm i'm interested then in uh in how, how do you build a business in patient safety because i suppose how much do organizations believe that there is return on investment for putting up cameras in a computer vision system uh to prevent a never event and I don't know, how do, you th how do you think about the business model side of things when it comes to patient safety? Again, I think the business model has to be considered when, so if you think about reducing never events as the only business model, that is one yeah. way we save costs and we reduce insurance premiums and other stuff. But that is a tiny, very tiny component of it, really, because on one hand, a lot of these things are not measured already. So unless you measure it, you don't know how much you are paying for it. And there is a cognitive bias. So you might actually say, well, my hospital is doing really good. Um, I don't have any problem like this. But maybe you're not reported. You don't see these incidents being reported. Or maybe you, maybe your staff are 
working really, really hard to not make that mistake. And in that process, they are getting really stressed out at the end of the day and there is a burnout of clinicians. You know, you're not, maybe you're not seeing that component yeah. of it. So I would, in, in terms of the business model, the way we work about this is what matters to pretty much every hospital is to perform as many number of cases as safely as possible. That's the first point. So as many number of cases. So if you if you enable them to perform 10 more operations a month, then obviously that's an increase in revenue. While not performing any mistake, that's a reduction in cost. So that's the direct, that's the simplest way to put it, right? So we, we ensure that every procedure they perform uh, is shorter than before uh, and uh, is safer than before. Now, when it comes to uh, measuring efficiency, there are already uh, a bunch of studies that measure like the time value of money in an operating theater, they say, okay, every minute of operating room costs, you know, anywhere between 20 to you know, $62. Uh, I think on average it's $60 uh, in, in major procedures. Uh, now this was a study done many years ago, but there are, there are studies done in the past to measure the, uh, the cost of every operating room minute without actually considering the cost of surgeon or the anesthetist in this, right? So there are also studies that showed that, for example, you know, if you already know this, uh, I mean, to the listeners, the, the patient is brought in on a, on a separate table and then they're moved onto the operating room bed. So they count one, two, three, and move the patient. There's this one hospital that just did, let's count one, two, and move the patient. So they, they skipped the third part and they saved $12,000 per year, right? Wow. So that's, <laughs> so, so that's just like a tiny, tiny improvement. <laughs> that can lead to you know outstanding results um, but we have a bunch of inefficiencies when it comes to uh, hospitals today which is one of the biggest places that we focus on especially at scalpel is uh, surgical inventory so when it comes to surgical inventory we're talking about surgical instruments shops swaps needles implants processes and all of these things that consumables that come in and go out or sometimes stay inside operating rooms but one of the problems we have today is we let's say we are performing a major orthopedic operation right and this particular surgeon requires this new equipment that he would like to use it in this implant procedure the way we manage that is we bring multiple trays we stock them in the hospital so that the surgeon or the nurse doesn't complain that the right equipment is needed so what happens is the nurses are spending a lot of time maybe outside the operating theater searching for that one equipment or there are a bunch of trays that have only some equipment that are used and a lot of equipment that are not used so there is a huge wastage a huge capital expenditure so in our business model we factor all these things in we performed um there is this fantastic group called york health economic consortium in the university of york um, and they um, they have a great group of health economists and they 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 work with us and they looked at all the places where you know it it's it's quite expensive for the hospital in terms of you know usage of equipment errors inefficiencies and we factor that in we build a business model and we show it look look there is a there's a very clear outcome for that um, this is one way we sell the business model about it uh, we know for certain that every hospital says that you know patient safety is the priority but their bottom line is affected by the number of operations they perform so how do we how do we help them improve their bottom line while help helping them meet their goal i think that's the that's the way we are thinking really yeah so what you're saying is whilst your goal 
personally and with the company is to solve a certain problem. By solving that problem, the value is felt in a number of different ways. And so actually, in order to build the business model, it's about quantifying that value. It sounds to me like that's a really important thing. You talked about speaking to health economists there. For tech entrepreneurs, I mean, they seem like gold dust, like these conversations with health economists that can actually quantify everything. And they seem incredibly valuable for people that have done um, health economics and those types of studies to, to show value because it is extremely important in order to sell. But clearly, it's about once you once you have built the technology, solved a problem. It's also kind of about figuring out where else you can claim that that's mm. going to make money or save costs or whatever it is. Because you guys work with sterilization companies well as well. You mentioned right, so they that's pay right. yeah. for your kit, and that's got there's no patients involved in that bit. But it is a way of building a business, and therefore your business can make that impact that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yes and no. So they also have patients involved, but they just don't see the patient. So the thing is, they clean the equipment that actually goes into the operating theater, right? So oftentimes, when you think about the surgical team, you don't see a sterile technician in the process. You see a, you see a surgeon, if you even search in Google type surgical team, you see a surgeon, nurse and everybody. You don't see somebody cleaning your equipment. That person is even like in the background. But that, that person is so important that they are ensuring that there is no surgical site infection on your patient, right? So they actually see the patient, but, you know, behind the glass. So I would, they are quite closely involved in terms of patient safety as well. And um, you're right. So the way, if you improve uh, the efficiency or if you improve the healthcare safety of, uh, of a healthcare system, what happens is there are a bunch of other people that gets affected by it. And sterile service divisions are one component. But we are also working a lot closely with medical device companies that actually manufacture these equipment. So, um, you know, for example, there are companies that now build procedural trays, which are specific trays for a procedure that go, goes into an operation. But they have no granular understanding of which equipment was used or not used inside a procedure. We provide that with Scalpel. Um, so you're, you're spot on. So when it comes to uh, a startup, it... There are, there are so many challenges in the past four years that we have seen. So a lot of hospitals say that they are excited to work with you. That could be because they have an innovation budget or some there is a champion who really wants to pursue that for the sake of something else. But more importantly, we should always speak to the key decision maker who is signing a check. Um, and I think that's the most important thing because these people really care about other metrics that you're not seeing right now. So our understanding with whole health economics and working with the business managers, that's actually, uh, that is gold dust. And I would ask every entrepreneur, health tech entrepreneur, to go make that, you know, conversation now before going a lot into the technology. Because, you know, tech is what we love uh, and impact is what we all want to see. But the people who really make that happen are the business managers, you know, not your clinicians. Because a surgeon might love your technology, but he can't buy it for you. It's his hospital business manager who buys it for you. If they don't have a budget to, to put it on you, then well, basically they might they might use it. But it's a pilot. You, you know, you'll you'll have a death by pilot. We have we were very close to that. Yeah, uh, it, it's a it, there's an epidemic of pilotitis, as they say, um, and death death yeah. by pilots. It, it happens. Yeah, it, it totally happens. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you back on. Um, there's so much that we've covered in terms of 
why why to even build a business in patient safety well the answer is it can make a lot of impact and it can make money to then make more impact seemingly but it seems that it's about quantifying that impact it seems that a lot for, for those people out there that are passionate about patient safety and quite likely you are frontline clinicians or certainly very close to it it seems that there's lots of way to, ways to value patient safety and it's about thinking deeply about that it's about thinking deeply about not just what am i what problems am i preventing and how much do they cost it's also what am i actually improving and what does that cost yeah. what does that save what what can that make as well as then going outside healthcare and saying well the technology that i've built well perhaps this could be used by other companies and perhaps i can get revenue that way and that revenue can then go back into meeting your vision and mission which is along the patient safety route so it seems that there is a, a lot of ways to skin this cat there's a there's a lot of places to improve patient safety we've mentioned education before the patient even gets there we've talked about preventing surgical errors preventing medical errors there's lots of different places in healthcare that these things can be these can, these things can yeah. help even, um, even even bringing a patient to the hospital james yeah like the logistics around uh, so one of the common problems we have seen is the patient is in a ward. It's so far away from operating theater. Procedure is supposed to start at 10.30. The patients are, arrive just on time. So obviously nurse tries to get everything checked before they kind of cut the corner at that point because, you know, procedure should start now, right? So they don't want to do these mistakes, but we are put in a place where systemic factors can make an impact. So, yeah, I think there are a bunch of ways you can improve patient safety. And Patient safety is not uh, is not a good to have or a nice to have. It's a priority. It's a necessity. Yeah. You can't. Uh, I think you can't compromise on. I that. must admit that's actually been a, a a big change. I think on on ground floor clinical medicine since I was a junior doctor. You know, F one, F two. I really got involved in quality improvement projects. I loved it because it was like, oh, I can fix a system that and that fix more things and. I think I was, I, it wasn't the norm to do them then. I think it's become the norm now. Whether it's been mandated and they're a bit annoying now, I don't know um, because I, I'm probably a bit far from it. But um, I know that they happen more often. I think that's, that is that is only a good thing, if not not least to find the people that are passionate. But I think those are the passionate people that might well become the tech entrepreneurs. And if you are one of those people yeah. doing quality improvement pro, uh, projects and you love it, my advice would be shadow someone in finance, which I loved, but then also what I didn't do, speak to a heck of a lot of engineers, speak to a heck of a lot of people that can code, computer scientists, data scientists, like speak to those types of people, run your ideas past them and see if they can build something with you. And that's how I think is the, the best way to, to start a company in, in something to do with patient safety. I think that's an awesome thing. Yes, any final advice, any comments? Where would you focus your time now if you had if you had uh, another lifetime? Yes, and you wanted to focus on a different patient safety issue. Where would you? What problems would you solve? Where would you focus your energy and time? I think you're all about surgical safety, aren't you? Really? I, I'm crazy about surgery, so uh, surgical safety strikes me uh, strikes me the most. But I think uh, there there is. I, I think I'm doing. I, I I'm not waiting for another lifetime. I'm doing what I'm really meant to be doing, and that is that drives me. That makes me up every single morning. Um, Really, I think there is a lot we a lot to uncover. We just scratched the surface. We are just mm. tackling one one mm. tiny, tiny, tiny component of surgical safety. Um, but as I, as I as the way I look at it, everything is connected to each other. So surgery is connected to the drugs they use inside operating theaters. So obviously, medication errors, medication safety comes into the picture. Then 
so there are a bunch of ways and we we are quite open to how we are looking at it and as as i mentioned um we are working with uh, and open to work with more collaborators on this you cannot solve the all the problems by yourself right so you got to work with medical device companies you got to work with uh educational companies and everyone else in the process to ensure that this you know you make a tiny change i mean i have a limited time so you know uh, in in my lifetime so i'm just trying to make that tiny tiny change of pa- improving patient safety in surgery good for you mate if people want to get in touch with you to learn more or speak to you how do they go about getting in touch yeah so the best part uh, the best place is linkedin uh, you can you can look up yesh kulijala uh, or scalpel limited uh, and uh, yeah i think that's that's the best place otherwise you can also send me an email uh, at yesh at scalpel.ai awesome yes it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on thank you very much james it's been a pleasure indeed and for everybody else listening i'm going to do a few more of these more thematic episodes it might be a previous guest it might be someone new but i think mixing it up uh i think the theme worked i enjoyed it i um, don't know about you yes but i enjoyed it i'm sure some of the listeners will too I loved but, uh, it. yeah no, I awesome think I loved it. awesome thanks so much man hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.